Welcome to What the Hell's Wrong With You, the podcast where we talk about our own mental health issues and try and help you guys figure out yours. Stay tuned to figure out what the hell's wrong with you. issues collectively. So, I'm Lane Steadman, and let's go around the table. Mike Donahue. Bree Hopkins. I'm Austin. And I'm Noel Clark. Fuck yeah. Alright, let's get into this. So, we got a question. This is from Daniel. It says, where do bad moods come from? Like, are bad moods or bad moods in general? I think he meant in general, but we can do both. Define a bad mood. Either you have something on your mind, and you're kind of just in a shitty (laughs) mood. Okay, I don't know. How do you describe a bad mood? Troubled, troubled things. (laughs) Yeah, that would probably sad. All of the above. Well, Micah, where do you think bad moods come from? Anxious, depressed. So a bad mood, I would qualify as like something fucking with your day. Yeah, I guess that kind of answers the question. It could just be anything really fucking with your day. Yeah, anything like that, and that comes from a natural state of events usually. Um, it's normal to feel that way. It's normal to have different emotions, have different states of mind, have different moods. It's when there's a chemical imbalance and you're stuck somewhere you can't get out of that it becomes an issue. At least that's my personal view on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't, where do you think they come from though? Is it just nature and your environment? It's the way it's the way that we think. We're always in a train of thought. Our brains are going somewhere. Our minds are going somewhere. And depending on what happens and where we go is going to depend on what we do and yeah. how we feel throughout the day. Like, we can choose to be in good moods. If you don't have a clinical diagnosis, you can choose to be in a better mood than you are. You can let things roll off your back. It's how you take it and how you think about it for yeah. the most part. What I, yeah. was say. I The one time that I recently remember doing this was... I woke up in kind of a shitty mood. I mean, it was three in the morning. I had to go to work, so I was kind of pissed. But um, well, the one thing that I, like, stuck to that was going to make my day good was that I um, had... I was turning, and right as I about got to the stoplight, it turned green. And I was just like, hell yeah, this never happened, so <laughs> this is going to be a good day. And even though it was still kind of shitty throughout the day, I just kept remembering this, this top light turning green, <laughs> and I was fine. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it sounds dumb, but you just got to find the little things that help. Yeah. Exactly. Well, bad mood is much different from, like, a, a, a stint of depression or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's a different thing. I have manic depression. So there's mania waves. There's overall waves, which are like three to four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's smaller Feel waves in that. Like, like the uh, comparison between weather and climate, almost. Kind of. And like Montana weather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I get that. I'll go through. It's like, you know, 85 degrees and raining and sunny. Yeah, I'll have yeah. about two weeks of either like depression or panic attacks or... Just not wanting to get out of bed and then two weeks of like, oh, hey, this is great. You know, everything's going really well. Yeah, for sure. But it's, and I mean, it's definitely like you have to look to different things regardless. Like, I mean, my personal beliefs, like 
I'm a Christian. I just look to the Lord. Like I just focus on that. Realize, you know, yeah, there is something better. And that's that's something I've kind of found with depression and somewhat anxiety is that if you have depression, you're either more likely to be a staunch Christian or a staunch atheist. Yeah. And it, from the people that I've talked to, it's very few and far between that are like just straight in the middle agnosticism yeah. or relatively just questioning, I guess. Hmm. Which I don't know if those two things are related with religion and They're depression in, or mental illness. Interesting thing to think about. Yeah. It, it's it an interesting theoretical is. correlation for sure. Yeah. Big words. Big words. <laughs> All right. Huh? Everybody, I'm just going to take five seconds and say, get close to your mics. Like, like you're about to kiss it. <laughs> Don't give it any tongue. But <laughs> unless you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I okay. did have another question. All right. I don't remember what it was. I have a topic that we can go to. Go for it. So two things. One, is anyone on medication? Have they been? And what was their experience with it? I have some things to say about that as well and then two like one of my biggest worries in realizing that like i have this this is a thing that i have to deal with my mind doesn't work exactly like other people's like my broken is that something am i going to be able to find anyone to be in a relationship with yeah to walk with me through this is that going to be okay like that was always a terrifying thought for me growing up yeah i mean even still like i it's like are people going to accept that and be okay with it yeah those are both very good topics yeah so who wants to start well i was on prozac for three years i'd say um there were some periods where i didn't take it mainly because i just didn't want to yeah i mean i didn't have any reasons to i just like "Eh, fuck it why am i and then (laughs) um I eventually stopped. Well, I worked my way off of it. I think earlier this summer, actually. Yeah. But I, like we said, or or I guess on the last episode, um, it kind of brings your highs down a lot and dilutes yeah. a lot of your own sensations. So it just like puts you at a neutral. Yeah. It's yeah. not. So the way that I describe it typically makes it sound like it put, makes you into a sociopath, which is not accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's how a lot of people take it, though. So my experience with it, like, I'm on it now. I got off of it last summer around this time. And six months later, I just hit, like, this wall of panic and anxiety, and everything came all at once. So I'm like, okay, well, crap. Yeah. Something needs to change. So I had to get back on, like, not necessarily withdraw, because Prozac doesn't medically have withdrawal sy- symptoms it stays mm-hmm. in your system it stays in your system before you're ridiculous it has a crazy long half-life um yeah so six months after i stopped taking it i had some relatively negative side effects and could not really cope because i just moved with the job and everything but like those months i was off it uh like emotions were so real it was crazy yeah. Like, I would watch stupid commercials about, like, a dad coming home a box of Cheez-Its with his kids, and then I would start crying because <laughs> it was so happy. Dude. I was like, 
what's <laughs> with this? Shit, that makes so much more sense why I've been crying Dude, more often. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, it, seriously, it happened. Like, I would cry at everything. I couldn't watch TV without, like, tearing up. It was so bad. Interstellar, I bawled. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude, oh. I feel you. I feel you. Um, but now that I'm back on it, like, oh, my gosh, it sucks so much. At the moment, it's worth the trade-off for me to be able to function and to think somewhat clearly, but it also clouds a little bit of the emotional side. Like, I can not necessarily turn off my emotions, but I can dull them to the point where I just don't care quite as much, Yeah, which is frustrating. But at the same time, it's the only way that I'm able to deal with some of the severe sides of my conditions. I don't like calling them disorders because I don't think that necessarily they're a disorder because everyone functions differently. Yeah. Um, but rather certain conditions that I have. Yeah. So, um, I have never taken any medication for it or for depression or anything like that. Um, I've just kind of stuck through it. Like w my counselor wasn't allowed to prescribe me anything. Yeah. But I'm fairly certain that, um, the new woman that I'm going to go to is probably going to try and prescribe me something, but I, I wouldn't be against trying the medication, but I also kind of worry about how I'm going to act on it. Yeah. I, uh, like, my dad was a psychologist, so I grew up not having a... So I didn't grow up having a bad stigma against prescription medicine. So if someone thinks that they should be on medication, fucking go for it. Yeah. It might not be the best thing for you but it's also not gonna be that it's not gonna be detrimental yeah yeah it i worked for a long time like what are the long-term effects of this am i gonna be okay in 50 years or whatever provided i live that long but at the point where i'm like okay i need to go back on these i was like i don't care i don't care what the long-term effect is now i yeah. need to be on them now and that's what has happened and with prozac anyways it's been around for freaking ever yeah and every doctor i've asked about is just like yeah it's pretty widely accepted as being fine yeah uh, as far as other things go i don't know that's really the only medicine that i've been on except the ritalin that was in high school and mm -hmm. anxiety and take ritalin uh-uh no yeah. thank you yeah yeah that was a fun year yeah i don't know my past with uh medication was uh quite the roller coaster i was on uh Loxetine, Prozac. Uh, I was on Xanax for a while there. Clonopan. Just there was there was quite a bit of just a cocktail of different medications that they were trying me on. And uh, really, uh, that was that was quite something. Uh, it took quite a while to figure out what worked and what didn't work and we really never did figure out what worked because i just uh quit it yeah uh, for uh for personal reasons uh that yeah are, yeah we don't have to get into that if you don't want to i i, yeah. st I stopped because i found out it fucks up your sex drive <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's true yeah I it can, depending on the person, in case everyone's brain chemistry is completely individual. So it's not necessarily the same for all people. I guess I should say it fucked up my sex drive. Yeah. <laughs> not trying to, like, cut you off, but just disclaimer. I yeah. got you, dog. Yeah. And that's Every definitely 
I mean, it's not something that I have to worry about. Hashtag burn on myself. But no, it's um, it's definitely something to consider if you're... Everybody's quite different. I'm actually uh, really contemplating on getting on something soon. It's just kind of a point of making a doctor's appointment. Which, uh, I, I don't know the term for it, but I'm kind of like like the uh, antonym of a hypochondriac. I don't like going to doctors. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's difficult. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't hate going to the doctor, but I also don't like going to the doctor just because my parents pay for it. And I always feel bad whenever they spend money on me like that. Because I know it's expensive, but I also sometimes feel like I, I am dying and I need to do something. So, yeah. I felt the same way for a while. Um, at some point, it came down to my parents sitting down with me when I was in high school, being like, "Hey, it costs us money, but we love you, and we don't want a path that's that dark. So we'd rather just pay money." Yeah, like our money is worth a whole lot less than your well-being. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. And I then, wish my parents were that supportive. <laughs> well, my mom is a therapist, so she yeah. deals with it literally all day. And my dad was a pastor for 10 years who dealt with it literally all day. So both of them understand. And my dad's been on depression meds his whole life and has had severe, severe depression. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just a hard conversation to have with your parents. No, it is. It like looking at your mom in the face and tell, like, that's not a, yeah. It took a lot of years. Like what I'm yeah, talking about, doing that, like healthy, quote unquote healthy behaviors, and I don't want to call them necessarily coping mechanisms, but therapeutic situations mm-hmm. to put yourself in. In this, like, it did not happen overnight. It was like six years later. I eventually talked about. Seven years later, I was eventually able to say the word. Eight years later, I was eventually able to talk about it in public. Yeah. In like, a podcast. Yeah, it, it definitely takes time. It takes freaking long time. Yeah. It's not something you do overnight. So if that's something that, like, you know, you're worried about or you're thinking, man, they're doing that and I can't even think about it, you give yourself a little time. Yeah. And then, so I want to go back to medication for a second because I know that okay. we wanted to talk about addiction also. And... <laughs> self-medication yeah and self-medication also so i think four out of the seven of the people that are here i don't know i don't know i'm not doing math um (laughs) are addicted to cigarettes or nicotine of some kind and it it's not i'm not saying that it's anything bad other than the possibility of getting lung cancer and death but you know it's fine because I'm I'm one of those people that's addicted to nic- nicotine, but I find that it helps me with anxiety and stress, or it can also completely do the opposite and give me a panic attack. So, for me, it eventually just became something that was just routine. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it so much, but I also didn't really think about it when I was doing it. Yeah, and then. I just like had I had one that was just tasted way worse (laughs) that just tasted way worse and I said fuck it and threw away the pack 
got out my vape, and I've been attempting to do that since. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's hard for everyone, and if you're quitting on your own terms, it's going to be hard because you're going at your own pace. Yeah. Well, when I was chewing, I tried to use grinds, the little coffee. Grinds, yeah. The coffee packets. Mm-hmm. That was awful. It sucked all of the moisture out of your mouth, <laughs> and it tasted like nasty-ass coffee. But I also got the mint ones. It was supposed to take, taste like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Did Which, it? no. <laughs> it tasted like coffee that was just super bitter. It's chemically soaked artificial coffee. It's yeah. not going to taste like mint ice cream. <laughs> I mean, one can hope, though, because I definitely did. A boy can dream! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. How do you guys feel about addiction, though? Do you think of it as an illness or as a choice? Uh... I see it kind of both ways. I know sometimes it can be genetically, I think. That's my opinion. Um, I know that my family has really, really, really addictive personalities. We are all native, and if we get all we get into alcohol, cocaine, meth, whatever, we go balls to the wall. (laughs) So... I say it's it's an illness, but also it can be stopped and it can yeah. be a choice to yeah there overcome can, it. Yeah, there can definitely be a genetic disposition uh, to addiction or addictive personalities. But there's also the point that comes where you make the choice to start that you Absolutely. involved with it, and there comes you know a sincere choice that you have to make to stop to get yourself back out of it um however in the midst of it there is a chemically bound connection between the activity get be it drinking smoking doing drugs whatever it is um the pleasure centers in your brain if it's with substance and even if it's with an action or something that normally someone wouldn't think of as an addiction uh, studies have shown from what I know, and like I said, I don't have a degree in that. But things that I've read and been told growing up by someone who does have a degree in it, uh, the things that you do, regardless of whether people view them as an addiction, if they are an addiction, they're activating different chemicals in your brain, and that's what makes it so hard to break the habit. Yeah, for sure. I definitely know that uh, substance abuse just abuse disorders exist Mm -hmm. and they can correlate with other mental disorders kind of leading back to the uh, main general topic yeah that's uh they're pretty common amongst uh younger individuals that are less likely to talk about their other uh coping mechanisms coping mechanisms thank you micah they're uh, they're less likely to uh, say, oh, I have uh, borderline personality disorder. They're just more likely to go ahead and do something that makes it so they don't experience to those sh- symptoms. To and, dull it. And in, in turn, it's just adding more fuel to the fire. 
For sure. I think that addiction starts with a choice to do it. I don't think people are... I don't know how to word this, but like, I don't think people are wired to be addicted to something from birth. I think it's just, um, I think it's more like you choose to do, you choose to put yourself in that situation. Save for crack babies. Yeah. Yeah. If you're that out there. Exactly. (laughs) I totally forgot that that was a thing. I'm not even going to lie, but it's, um, I don't know. It's a hard question. Because a lot of people find things to be different for addiction than... Definitely uh, slightly controversial. Yeah. And really, uh, I, on one hand, don't have a whole lot of room to talk about substance abuse disorders, other than that I've done minimal research on them. Yeah. I've done my own research, research, as in by doing them. (laughs) but you know yeah yeah. and I've never been addicted to like hard drugs or anything like that no alcohol because the only time that I ever got blackout drunk I vowed never to get that drunk ever again and I think um, I think it's healthy to have those experiences but I also think that it's not for everybody and it's just hard to find that line it's just part of growing up, really. Yeah. You have to find things that are helpful to you. And then recognize the harmful things also. Because not everything is going to help you. Mm-hmm. That helps other people. Just like medication. Because we're all, we all have different brain chemistries that, that react differently to different, yeah. to different um, stimulus. So... It's all very personal. Is um, I have been all my life. I have seen like alcoholics in my family and like drug addiction and all that shit in my family. So since a young age, I kind of told myself to that. Yeah. Lo and behold, some things I did pursue. Everyone kind of does. I think everyone should at least try weed at least once in their life to know if they like it or not yeah a lot of people don't share that opinion i don't i don't care yeah i um, i agree with you i think it's helpful yeah they don't uh, share that opinion it's just that an opinion yeah, yeah. i mean i don't share that opinion because i haven't tried weed but it's just that an opinion mm. yeah i think that's important to remember but it's also to take in consideration their background and their history because if and- yeah if emily our emily um, tried weed, I think it would be horrible. I think she would have a really bad experience. <clears throat> because well, she just, sorry, <laughs> she just seems really, she seems, seems like she would be paranoid the entire time, and I don't think she would have a good time. So, I don't know. I know, I know every uh, experience I've had in the past with it, uh, everybody assumes that I would have a positive experience just because it's kind of known to cease anxiety and everything, but really it just, it just gave me like bad side effects, like, uh, like really bad headaches and all around, just kind of brought me down 
Yeah. And so I I don't personally enjoy it, but just because I don't enjoy it doesn't mean that other people cannot benefit from it. Yeah. I think a lot of people would benefit from it. I completely Yeah, I was of, agree. I was of the opinion for a long time that like weed is bad, period. You shouldn't do it. But as far as like medical marijuana goes, I've actually had a multiple friends who have sincerely benefited from it. Yeah. And, like, I've been able to watch them come out of their shell and, like, not have nearly as many issues and be able to, like, live their life as fully as possible. <laughs> so. Noel is pointing at himself. When it comes to, like, doing it as an addiction, like, because the substance itself may not be addictive, but the feeling can be. Mm-hmm, for sure. Just as feelings can be. That's why adrenaline junkies exist. Yeah. Um, that's why people fall in love. Yeah. Yeah. Don't necessarily know that that's the healthiest thing to be doing. No. But when it's legitimately for, like, a medical purpose or it actually helps or you see improvement, I don't I don't really have anything against, like, being prescribed weed at this point. Yeah. I. This is kind of off topic from mental health, but I think that weed needs to be legalized fully. Yeah. But yeah, I think that needs to be done a while ago. Yeah. But that's also kind of off off topic. So, what else? What else? Can you we... get addicted to weed? Do you think? Yeah, I, I don't seen it happen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I think what Austin said: the feeling is addictive. I haven't had any experiences, but I think with the feeling being addictive people would want to pursue other things like i'm not saying it's a gateway drug but, but you're saying it's a gateway drug yeah inadvertently for, for so some people no I'm, yeah. I'm just giving you crap yeah i i oh wait I, I did smoke weed before i did anything else but that doesn't really correlate yeah yeah it's um it depends on the person their disposition their brain chemistry yeah. How um, different chemicals bond, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to be the same for everyone, thus it's hard to generalize as a topic. Definitely, yeah. But I don't know. I don't feel like you could get addicted to it. What are we saying is addiction, though? Like not being able to stop after you start, would that be considered addiction? Or Because I know that at least whenever I've smoked... I've been able to go months without having to do anything like that ever again. Let's see what Google I, I would, says. Yeah, I and would, I, I even when I, when I'm not smoking, and I go, I go like two or three months without smoking. I feel like I don't need it. Like, I would, I would probably consider addiction to be to the point where it disrupts your day or your everyday life, and it is. Uh, brain work um to the point where it's disruptive and yeah does more more it, harm than good yeah when it's the only thing that you're thinking about all day yeah, yeah. so the technical definition the short version of addiction is close to i'm gonna be that guy it was close to what we were talking about earlier with um like pleasure centers and seeking either reward or pleasure versus seeking the substance itself. Yeah. 
So it says addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. Dysfunction in these circuits leads to a characteristic that is biological, psychological, social, and spiritual in its manifestations. This is reflected in an individual pathologically pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. Okay. So it is yeah, legitimately basically. either craving or pursuing satisfaction. Yeah. Or a certain feeling due to some substance or action of your choosing. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you said that you have <clears throat> excuse me, a really addictive personality. But do you feel like that is just towards substances or is it all around? No, just in general. Because yeah. I, I don't – I stay the heck away from substances. Yeah. I always yeah. have. That's good. Partially because, like, in general, I have a relatively addictive personality. Yeah. Just as I see I day to day. Yeah. I find that I'm more – if I'm drugs or alcohol or stuff like that, it's going to be people. Like – because in relationships, I will get super fucking clingy, and I need to work on that. But I also know that it's it's probably, like, deep-seated. Because I had a rough childhood. So, yeah. And I was pr- pretty much cut off from, from people for two or three years. But it's just that I enjoy human contact, and it's really difficult for me to suppress that i guess i get that there's a reason i always hang out at coffee shops with other people and never sit at home yeah yeah i mean i would probably stay here all day if i could if i didn't live so fucking far away when i moved back here that's literally what i did yeah for four days i sat here from near open to close yeah yeah i i know that um being addicted to people like that is also really hard on the other person and i need to like sort of keep that aspect in my mind or else I I risk hurting them which I don't think anybody wants to hurt anyone else I think we're I think people are innately good and that there's some good in everybody but I also know that that can always not be true yeah to interrupt that train of thought for a minute go for it uh to make more sense of some of our comments we're recording this in the back room of a coffee shop oh yeah that's true yeah, <laughs> I don't think anyone said anything about that. No, I've I've totally spaced it. That's my bad. It's all good. We got it. <laughs> uh, but in relation to one of your earlier comments, ties back into relationships and mental illness. Yeah, you mentioned being clingy. Like, what does what does that look like for all of you guys? <laughs> Just to rabbit trail over here again. Uh, worrying about relationships, worrying about relationship stability, worrying about likability and acceptance factors through the eyes of someone else based on your mental illness like wait how do you mean can you yeah sorry that was really long and drawn out yeah uh do you feel insecure or unlovable because of it slash are you worried that you're not going to be able to find someone or maintain a steady relationship or be accepted in that yeah i'm i'll just answer it really quick i feel like um I feel like my mental illnesses don't hinder the relationship at all or make it seem like I like that's the reason why I'm clingy. I think it's just because of the way I am. Um, yeah. I don't know. 
That's a hard question. Micah? I think a big <clears throat> influencer to that is when you have a disorder or something like that, it opens up your worldview. You see the world a lot differently and with For a lot sure. more clarity. Um, something that comes with that is selflessness. So I think it's a balance of feeling unlovable and things like that, but also not wanting to put anyone through that. Mm-hmm. And it's out of selflessness. We Get- stay by ourselves because who would want to put someone you love through that? Yeah. Also, yeah. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but, you're good. I, was um, I think it's really important to find in a relationship if... I think you need to dis- disclose the information that you have a mental illness oh, right for away. Sure. That, otherwise, it's not going to work. If you if, hold that and something happens and you're suddenly distant... Yeah, mm-mm. exactly. And you also have to find a relationship if the other partner, the other person in the relationship has mental illness of any kind, you have to A, work through it, and then be able to recognize those signs and then... Yeah. act accordingly but you also need to like I know that I have the tendency to internalize like I've t- said already but it's um, it's hard for me to tell people that stuff but I oh, shit I also know that I need to because if I don't it's not going to be a healthy relationship yeah and yeah. also keep in mind your own mental health if you're dating someone that also Absolutely. has a mental illness because you can either let that build up and drag you down with it or you can realize that it's not just you mm-hmm. that's working through this and the another big part of it is realizing that if you're in a relationship that you want to take seriously and have succeed from what I've witnessed um, understanding that like you have to work through it together that not like one person can just close off fix it go back and everything will be perfect like you have to go through and be really sad together or be really depressed together or you know walk through a panic attack with somebody and go through a really dark time and that just has to be something you're like okay you know what you're getting yourself into yeah yeah like that's what happens sometimes I definitely think with, uh, with especially uh, relationships that I've been in in the past, uh, with, with kind of the question of how does uh, mental illness affect, affect them, uh, I've, been, I've been blunt with people that uh, say they care about me, and I, I, I've let them know, hey, there's going to be times, like I'd have texted my boyfriend five times in a row since I've started this half of the podcast. Um, And he knows that there are going to be times where I text him like that, and there's going to be times that I don't text him for three days, and he's totally all right with that. And vice versa. He does it the exact same for me. And it's just, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of grown to be, uh, it's kind of enmeshed in who we are. Yeah. It's, it's just a part of, uh, of what makes us unique and what makes us compatible and uh, and able to click. Yeah. And it takes uh, it takes quite a bit to like be able to get to the point where it's like. Yeah. We both are comfortable with the fact that sometimes we get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, two things that I think personally our generation is missing why there's so much drama in relationships, whether the divorce rate is raising, why, regardless of mental illness, transparency and honesty. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And, and communication. Transparency and communication. Yeah. Are two extraordinarily important things that people. Use. Yeah. Yeah, like probably, probably before tonight, uh, five or six people even knew that I did have any form of anxiety. Yeah. Like I'm talking peers, people of my age, people that aren't related to me and haven't known me forever. Yeah. And it's just it's just been something that you keep close, but when you uh, when you do pursue things with people, you just you just gotta let it all go. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the key to uh, making things last almost. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm gonna ask a hypothetical question. So. Is this, is this directed towards everyone? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if your like your current girlfriend or boyfriend is going through a really bad depression time, um, would you like as as in like three months of being severely depressed, and you've been with them? through that entire time trying to help them but they just keep getting worse and worse do you give them time to think about their own stuff or do you you don't want to be invasive how do you mean you, you don't nobody likes that person that's like every 30 minutes you okay you okay you want to talk hey come over do you want to talk hang out anything you okay how are you doing yeah nobody likes that yeah but that is me because i know how it feels to be depressed yeah. and have no one ask for Alone. sure and there yeah. and there's definitely a point where like that's necessary but if it comes to the point of doing that for like three months yeah i'm saying hypothetically if there's a three month stint and you're doing that the whole time for three months somebody's gonna get pissed off yeah, yeah. be it you or them well one thing i've learned about like pursuing more transparency is everyone like i i cannot count how many times everyone's like well if you ever need to talk like if you ever need anyone i'm here for you that just sounds and so cliche to like me like how many times have you heard that though literally a every, who almost every knows day. the who only knows? yeah the only time i say that to people is face to face like looking at them like seriously if you're ever really dark, if you ever you really have issues, yeah. please call me. I don't care if I don't sleep. You're important. Yeah. Now, I, of the countless times you've heard that, how many times have you exercised that? Twice. Both I, with the same person, and you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever have. Just because I'm the type of person that doesn't like to annoy anyone else. Yeah. I, I used to be like that up until I realized how much it helps. Yeah. Both the individual depression or anxiety or whatever else you may be struggling with yeah to talk with someone about it uh it helps that immensely but at the same time it builds the relationship between those two people and i have some friends that i'm way stronger with now than i ever would have been before if we didn't have those hard conversations yeah I, um the first time i ever met courtney or the second it was the day after i was talking to or I was just writing in a notebook talk or thinking about doing a podcast 
that was about um, talking with different people every week about their past and their history. And Courtney came up and we were just talking about it and she, she just said, okay, well, do you have an example? Like, do you have anything from your life? And I was like, I don't know you at all, but I just started spilling out my entire life story. And it made us really close. But I, you really have to get that one person that is okay with hearing all of that. Because mm-hmm. if you find someone that's completely not okay with hearing your entire life in an hour, it can definitely be really... Um, you're just flooding them with information. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, off. Oh, sorry. Nope, go for it. More often than not, I'm the person who is uh, having to talk to the person. Yeah. Talk them out of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it is flattering because I am glad that people can talk to me. Yeah. It is ungodly stressful. Yeah. Because it's like they are looking to you for the for the answer yeah and they are looking to you to make them feel better yeah that one person can't do that exactly and that yeah actually one person can and that's themselves yeah i can just be the one that is the rational one yeah all right well i have oh do you want to say something i was gonna say like personally when i'm in that scenario and i know all of our beliefs differ however i'm also not scared to talk about mine like i'll just straight up pray for it like pray for him pray with him if i don't have answers but at the same time i think it's worth being stressed out to be helping someone down from a ledge they're on like that yeah definitely i would rather take that stress and have to work through it and see them be okay yeah well does anybody have any closing questions or comments that they need to get out before we end well just building off what uh, austin just said usually when uh, prayers or something is like offered to anyone they take it no matter what even if they're not christian or anything yeah because it shows that someone's caring yeah. and if they don't they're they're being an ass it's it's their way of showing support towards you in their own way mm-hmm. yeah even if it might not be what you wanted they're still showing their support and they they believe what they're doing is helping so yeah, definitely like my uh, my boyfriend, he's a uh, a fairly firm atheist, but he has never. When I said, "Can I pray for you?" He's never said no, and yeah. he's never uh, been really begrading because he knows how my uh, how my religion has helped me and how my uh, theological point of views have. Uh, really affected me for the better yeah and uh he wouldn't want me to compromise that simply because of him yeah so i just i just use that as an example because it's uh one of the most uh contrasting parts of my life at the moment yeah because uh frequently growing up in the church i was always told uh that if you are with someone that doesn't have this that doesn't share the same relationship with Christ as you it just uh it it seemed like they were always like that's toxic and that's bad yeah. and that's not good and you need to cut that off yeah. when it really it it doesn't because uh, 
it's not it's not a tug of war of views yeah it's a uh, in the bible the term is being unequally yoked yeah so it's like you're taking on the brunt of the weight religiously which i understand to a point but i also agree with you so all right well i think that's it for this episode oh micah can we are we are we coming back to this topic at a later date yeah probably yeah okay yeah well it'll probably like it's the whole conversation is a little bit longer but like if we would just encourage people to take the taboo off of suicide too yeah you know suicide is it's kind of like the final topic so to speak but and not to get into that right now but um we can definitely we'll probably do a whole episode yeah i would just make it not you know realize that it's severely misunderstood and what you're feeling in that moment is severely misunderstood and definitely to not you know yeah i don't i don't know how to say that succinctly but yeah well that might be next week's topic possibly all right well i'm gonna close this out here so if anybody has any questions that they would like answered on the show um, just contact me at lane underscore Stedman at yahoo.com. So that's L-A-N-E underscore Stedman, S-T-E-A-D-M-A-N at yahoo.com. And then we'll get back to you as quickly as possible. And if it's an urgent question, I'll probably just email you back right away. So, well, I hope we answer all of the questions that we have right now. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out. Bye. Austin awesome Growl.